Hello, Native Podcast Experience listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Native Podcast Experience. Today we have Monarchy on the line. He's got a little bit of a music game going. He also calls California home. But that's enough for me. I'm going to let Monarchy introduce himself. What's up, everybody? Thank you for listening. Uh, Monarchy here. Uh, just here. I'm blessed to be here and uh, ready to get the thing going. Awesome, man. So tell me how you got in the music game. What was that first interaction like? Uh, well, as far as me, like, rapping, I wrote my first rap when I was, like, 13, but I've always been in the music. My dad used to rap when he was in high school, and he's a DJ, and um, I just kind of always grew up around house parties and whatnot, and him DJing, so hip-hop has always been a huge uh, part of my life, like, it's pretty much raised me, but, um, so it's only kind of, I guess, a rite of passage for me to get into it and to rap myself. Awesome, and no, it sounds like it's a tradition that keeps on yeah. giving you sense. <laughs> Most definitely. That's what's up, man. So tell me, uh, tell me when you first started to create music. What was that first experience like being in the game for the first time? Um, it was, it was uh, scary. It definitely was scary. It was nerve wracking because um, I always was the guy. I still am kind of like the guy that's behind the scenes. I'm not always like on social media and I'm like out in the open and whatnot. Uh, not at all a private person. I just not one to be really in social media and all that. But I'm trying to get better at that because that is the way of the world as far as advertising and marketing. Um, but music-wise, for me, it was scary. I had a lot of friends that I was helping out music-wise, and they just kind of pushed me into, like, putting my own stuff out instead of being the guy that's behind the keyboard or behind, like, the MacBook and whatnot and producing and mixing and editing. So um, I was like, why not give it a try? I got on the mic, and uh, it took a long time for me to be okay with my own voice. <laughs> a long, long time. Uh, only recently, like last year, did I get accustomed to that. But uh, outside of that, um, I, the music that I like to hear, that's not out right now. That's not the trends, not the uh, the flow of things. Everybody's into the trap music and the mumble rap, and that's not my cup of tea. So I figured I'd just make the music that I like to hear. Uh, and if that comes from me, then so be it. No, it's great, man. It's great. You're uh, not conforming to the the new school, per se. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Sometimes it's just, it's just so much analysis out there and so much content in the music game. Uh, so what is exactly your your genre you push and try to uh, and make happen? Uh, it's still uh, hip-hop, but it's more so like along the lines of, um, I don't know, I want to say like 2000s, wherever it is that the trap rap started, it was mm-hmm. before that. Um, and it's just if you got like Ludacris, Common. I like storytelling rap. That was what I was raised off of. Like mm. okay. an artist that can give you a story from verse, first verse to the chorus, all the way to the, like the last beat of the song, and just have you like on the hook the whole time. Uh, those always went it out for me. Like uh, Sick Rick, you have uh, Common did the song with Testify. Um, J. Cole does that a lot as far as the new ones, and Kendrick Lamar. Ice Cube did it with Today Was a Good Day, like stuff of that nature. I've always felt myself gravitate towards that. So that's kind of like my um, forte more so, but just being able to illustrate and paint a picture as opposed to just saying words is better for me. I like it. No, you uh, you guys definitely got a great uh, influencer. Any major influence? What was your favorite influencer of storytelling rap and rap in the, in the day? Uh, definitely Ice Cube. His, his penmanship is ridiculous. Um uh, Snoop Dogg has done it. I'm a, a course calling Cali home. That's uh, predominantly my music influence. But I got some. I got some people that I show love to on the East Coast. L- L- Ludacris, J Cole, those are um two hundred three thousand. Those are some of the people that I, like hit home for me as far as uh that I 
they constantly have it on my playlist. So I like it, man. Now you uh, you, you got some great influences, both new old new old school, and you can rock with it. Uh, but tell me, what's the biggest challenge for when you first started, and the biggest challenge that you face today of trying to promote music? I know it's such a saturated and uh, endless amount of genres in the, in the game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, the biggest challenge in music, or uh, for me as far as um, promoting it and whatnot, is going, getting into like my friends and family and those who know me to let them know that I do music. A lot of my friends, uh, I think as of recent, like last week, was like, I didn't know you made music. Uh, they was We was catching up on old times, been a minute since we talked, and they was like, what are you doing now? I'm like, I've just been making my music and stuff. And they was like, I didn't even know you was doing music. I was like, yeah, I've been doing it since, what, 10, I think 10 years now? Or actually, wow. no, longer than that. As far as, like, putting it out, I just started putting it out as of last year. But I've been writing music since I was 13, and I've been recording music since I was, like, 20, so eight years ago. Um mm-hmm. But none of my friends would tell you unless they was in my room at that time or whatever would can be able to tell you that that's what I do um, until recently. So to them, this is all new. And uh, basically letting everybody know that I've been doing this. It's not me just kind of trying my hand at something that I've just picked up randomly. And um, social media is kind of like the way of the world right now as far as like Instagram and plugging everything. And I've been doing good with that, uh, Monarch D being the name taking Mondays as, like, my days to drop something or whether that's a picture, um, music, a verse here or a song there. I found myself doing that on all social media platforms so then that way I can build that up for whenever I do drop a project and whatnot. I got you. It's very – would you say it's more streamlined approach? you have a system that works or do you feel that social media is such an evolving platform that you have to be spontaneous as it goes? Um, I won't say spontaneous. I mean, it's kind of hard because you got to try to predict how people right. get on to uh, social media. I, I, I definitely Mondays because it was the alliteration of Monarch Monday, but also because in my head, people that work on Mondays or whatever it is that they're doing, that's like the most drag day of the week. So to mm-hmm. go into social media, to go on Facebook, Instagram, to kind of make that Monday go by faster. So if they happen to see a post and they get to listen to that then, I'm providing them with something to do on their, their horrible Monday, as most people know it as. Um, and so just trying to flip it, trying to make it a good thing. So uh, it's not sporadic. I'm trying to make it more so of a pattern to where people can know to expect it on Mondays. And it's been working. I have people who's like, hey, it's Monday. I ain't getting it from you. So uh, it's, it's starting to, to build its own little momentum. Very interesting. You mentioned that monarch, uh, Margie. Where, where did that name come from? What was the inspiration behind that? Who? Good question. Um, my dad's rap name when he was rapping was Rhyme G. R I M E G E E. Um, it was given to him by a friend, and so the G. My last name is Goodman, so mm-hmm. the G has always been there. I'm also a Gemini, so there's a lot of different meanings for the G. But monarch. Um, I talk to any and everybody, like at randoms on the street or whatever. I'm just a very uh, people person, so to speak. And so a lot of my friends always said I was like a monarch butterfly. Mm. Um, and my grandma, she calls me prince to this day. So it was like the royalty. I'm also the second. I'm named after my pop. So uh, the sense of royalty has always been like a reoccurring theme in my life. And mm-hmm. so monarch is just, I don't want to say I'm necessarily the king. 
I've, I've been striving and going more towards monarch to pope, but any kind of like person of power, I've just been controlling my life, controlling what I do and even my music. So monarch being a social butterfly, it just kind of compensates everything with me. So. No, I like it definitely uh, living off that, that royalty, that theme, right? I think it's always good to live off the theme and, and uh, make it happen. Uh, how big was, how big, you know, I know you mentioned your dad, how big was he early in days, in the early days, just giving you the support and the, uh, the mission to go out there and make it happen. So that's like my forever. If I've never even write it on anything, that's like my executive producer of life. Like um, there you go. I go to him for any and everything. He's if if it wasn't for him wanting to be surprised, he would be the final word on all the songs that I put out. But uh, he likes the idea of tuning in with everybody else and figuring it out and being surprised. So um, outside of that, he he is the foundation to pretty much any and everything I do, especially when it comes to music. He oh. has my introduction in that, so. No, that's great, man. It's always good to have that, that one or two people, and especially your dad, to give you that, that constructive criticism, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, and give you that advice no matter where the roads lead, for sure. Facts. Big facts. Uh, so tell me a little bit, I know you, you said California's home, and now you're living in Maryland. What's the difference like between the California vibes of music and the audience out there versus the East Coast of Maryland? I know that, 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 whole, that whole East-West Coast divide. Uh, it is uh, ridiculously different. <laughs> um, yeah. Not necessarily a bad way. It's just uh, my mom, I was all, I'm sorry, I've always been an adaptable person. So mm-hmm. for me, um, I mean, I've been around, um, yeah, I could say I've pretty much been around the world. Uh, I was in the army for like eight, seven years. So I, oh, nice. I went to a lot of different countries and stuff. So I've always been able to adapt to where I'm at. But the music in all those countries, as well as the East and West, is not that much different. I mean, there's there's hints of, uh, I guess, the foundation for any song. But uh, as far as America, we, we have a way of um, categorizing things. So mm-hmm. you have a certain flow or a certain like vibe, a certain bass that you put in your songs. People are like, oh, you got a West Coast vibe, or the flip side of that is you have an East Coast vibe. But um, you interviewed him not too long ago, uh, Rico with the K. Right, he right. was uh, my homie. He was, but he he is my homie, sorry. And um, he introduced me to like the East Coast side, like his East Coast, his way that he flows and raps is different from how I normally would. But I rock with it, like I rock with it heavy. So. Um, I don't think there's that much difference. There's, of course, difference in the beat patterns and the beat, the type of beats you go to. But as far as flow, I think that's just independent to the person. I like that way that there's no uh, disparity, right? If there is disparity, you can still rock with both, which is great, like you did with Rico. Oh, yeah. uh, tell me a little about that Army experience and what, what was it like and biggest lessons you learned as you transferred back into the civilian life after those seven years of service. And thanks for your service, by the way, too. Appreciate it. Oh, no that. problem. No problem. Much appreciate uh, it's, It was... It was good. It was for me the the reason I guess my withdrawal from the army was that's not the place for me to express myself creatively. Mm-hmm. Um and that's a big part of my life is to be able to creatively express myself. I'm a very expressive person, but more so being able to do it in a creative outright or outlet is that like must need it for me. <laughs> and um like I said, I'm adaptable, so I mean I did it for a while and it was it was good. Uh the hardest part was being away from my family and not being able to have that freedom of movement to like visit people when I wanted to and stuff. But if it wasn't for the army, I wouldn't be able to see as much of the world as I did or meet a lot of great people that I have in my life. So um, it was definitely a means that helped 
been sense of networking. Now I have friends that are like all over, all over the world, um, essentially at this point. So, uh, that, that I hope to kind of spin it and bring it back to the music is, uh, going to help me in a sense of when I do put music out, those friends that are in extra location could help share that music there with people there. And then it just keeps getting widespread that way. So, yeah, I think it all helps out. I think it all comes full circle. Uh, everything happens for a reason. And, uh, yeah. You make great points, right? I think it's it's very important to be adaptable and, and find different tones and, and, like you said, creatively expressing yourself. So on that point, what are some of the things you do to help not only adapt yourself to the creative process, but to come up with those creative lyrics you're going to write? So, um, process? Well, that's a great question. For me, it's, it's literally, like, I would look up a word, like, that I'm feeling, oh, and okay. I would build it up around that word. word or, um, I'll go on YouTube and I'll look for like some instrumental that's there and I'll just know those little type beat things that you can do on YouTube. I type in a certain word that I'm looking for or that I want to harp on and try to find a beat that kind of encompasses that. So then that way the pen will write itself from that. Uh, but I think that kind of goes back to the whole storytelling method in the sense that I, I love words. Like uh, my punishment growing up was uh, reading the dictionary. My mom thought that was the most effective way to get me to stop doing stuff, which I guess it was. Um, now I'm a, a fan of reading. I used to hate it when I was a kid. But uh, so words, that that would be my way of going into a song is literally just finding one word and building the whole song around that one word or thing. Uh, and it's kind of unorthodox, I guess, to most. But to me, that's just how it's always worked for me. Well, we've interviewed a lot of people, right? I think you're the first person to say that, but a lot of poets do that. Would you say? Mm. Would you say poetry is something that you ever consider? Like, were you, you, I know you said you weren't big in on reading, but would you say poetry is something you've always been accustomed to to get that method, or it just came out of the blue? Uh, I've only ever wrote, written two poems in my life, but I've always been surrounded by people who were into poetry and spoken word. So okay. I think that might have had a subconscious influence now that you brought that up i didn't even think about that myself but i think that definitely might have a subconscious influence to me yeah no it makes sense right because sometimes to get started a poem you need a word right just to yeah. work, work off whereas a, a vibe and a beat you need a couple you know maybe days or you might need an atmosphere a landscape right uh, right would you say now let's say you're trying to create like a heavy a beat versus a chill beat. Do you feel like there's something with that dual location? The studio may be better for something or like nature. Is that, is that something you think of when you're creating uh, beats too? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the case. I was actually, um, what was it? The other day, yeah, I forget what day it was, but I was listening to the podcast you did on legit. Oh, and, legit. Uh, he mentioned something about, uh, his diary of, and how like recording, he recorded like a song that was about depression or whatnot. And, um, in order for him to actually record it, he had to be back in that place. And I definitely felt that. Like, that's literally one of the songs that I did recently. I wrote it when I was in a dark place. When I was trying to record, I was in a happier place, and it did not come out the same way. Like, it was just mm. the most aggravating experience because I think if it's like, I mean, the I guess the landscape or the way it was set up when I wrote the song, it was raining, the, mood, the weather itself was overcast, and that just puts me in a mood in itself. And so the day I tried to record, it's sunny, it's sunshine, it's like birds are chirping, and it did not put me in the same vibe at all. Like, I think um, I think vibe and if landscape is what it is that gets you there, I think that 
makes a lot of your writing process or a lot of the delivery and make your song still not commercial, if that makes sense, like personally. No, no, you're absolutely right. I think it, it really is the vibe and it really is the atmosphere to get you in that right place because if you're you're having two different moods, you can't express that same mood unless you have that, that place, like you were saying, for sure. Right. Awesome. Interesting, interesting point. So off the topic of moods and, and audience, what what do you try to do when you say you're post-promoting and you're promoting to get the song done? What's a main message for the audience listening to your music, you would think? I'm like, like when someone listens to your song, what's the message that you want them to capture, basically? Mm, um, so, for me, I, I, I guess my music is my diary. Um, mm-hmm. I used to, I used to be that kid that like would post a random post on Facebook or something whenever I was going through something, and uh, of course, they're not always the happiest to post because we like you know go through life and things happen. But right. uh, my mom, my mom more so, she would be. I would get a phone call or a text message from her. She was like, you need to stop posting all the sad and, and like, depression type stuff. You got people worried about you and stuff. So I guess my way of doing so to get away from having to be, I guess, chastised for doing, like, writing my feelings, I just put it in my music. Um, if people decide to listen to it, they decide to listen to it. But then at least I got it out still opposed to holding it in. Um, so for me, that's just a kind of, like, why I, do my music and for the message is just about to get an insight of me as Monarch G um, get a little bit more of my life and I think I write my stuff where it's personal to me but it's relatable to most people I think I try to make it relatable on the most basic level to where there's always going to be something that you listen to that you can be like oh I rock with that like that that hit home for me and that's what I'm looking for in my music and if I don't do that successfully to one person in a song then that song needs to be scrapped and it's trash off rip. But um, yeah, uh, my my message is their message. Hopefully, I like that. My message is their message. Yeah, I'm saying whatever you're putting out yeah, to the energy of the universe, you hope to yeah. get that. I mean, Trevor just shares for sure. Uh, have you ever played any? Follow any play? Have you ever played any concerts? Have you, have you played local gigs ever before? Uh. Actually, Rico got me. Rico with the K in the little mad yeah. plugs right now. Um, he um he introduced. He had me do my first little like it was like an open mic thing. Um, and he actually chose the two songs that I performed that day, and it was my first time ever being on stage and performing and stuff. And it was so lit. Like the the crowd wasn't that big, but just the energy that I was feeling. I went up there initially, like I said, I'm the guy behind the scenes, thinking that it was going to be like very subpar and just not willing, uh, not worth seeing. Uh, but he was in the front stands. All the homies was in the front stands. They was all hyping me up. And, I mean, the song, the it was a song called DiGiorno that he chose. And uh, that's one of my favorite songs. And huh. it it takes me somewhere. Like, music to me, I always felt it's like a, like a time capsule. Uh, I can literally have songs that can take me back in time to this moment and DiGiorno I can remember when I wrote that and like the mood that I felt and it's very uplifting so if I was nervous like that song took it out of me and I was just going with the wind and it was it was dope it was fun uh but I haven't done any gigs after that I've in Frederick Maryland where I'm currently living at it's like retirement country as I like to call it so uh finding a location of which people would be rocking the hip-hop is not the um easy. <laughs> I hear you, but uh, I mean, I don't mean I can't drive forty five minutes to Baltimore, or DC, and and try to 
get some moved there. I just haven't found anyone up there to really connect with. I don't really know that many people down here, so or up here rather. No, I got you. Trying to trying to find the location, but it is it is interesting. You make up a great point, right? It's it's like you said earlier. The mood and the certain songs will get you back, and music is like a time capsule. It is a it is an interesting point because certain songs, certain moods, certain smells can bring you back to a certain place. Right, and and then that, and that makes sense with the audience too, right? Maybe something they listen to you can bring them back to a certain point too, for sure. Definitely. Uh, so tell me a little bit about this lyricist hashtag and what you got going on with that, the revolution, right? Oh, so uh, I think that's how I kind of like separate myself. I, I try to do a lot of things to separate myself. I've always been that person uh, growing up, but in music, I don't really care to be known as a rapper because of what the definition of what a rapper is today. Maybe like if it was in a different era or time frame, being called a rapper for me would not be, I don't want to say insulting, but it wouldn't, it would, it would fit. The definition of rapper then would fit me. But the definition of rapper now, I don't feel like I fit that definition. I think um, the era of which music is going to, and this is not a shot at any one person. This is just not what I rock with, but like, Amigos, Young Thug, Kodak Black, like that kind of, uh, those kind of artists in hip hop right now, those are people's Mm -hmm. favorite rappers. And because I don't think I do anything even similar to their kind of rap, I feel like I'm completely different. I just kind of want to take it back to the lyricists, the MCs, um, because I think that's when hip hop was at its best. That's when it was at its prime. Um, And that's what raised me and that's what has inspired me to be where I'm at now as far as music. So I'd rather be called a lyricist and known as a lyricist than that as a rapper, at least until the definition of what a rapper is changes. So, yeah. I think a very interesting point. Uh, so when when someone, you tell somebody, right, mm-hmm. I'm known as a lyricist, what is the first thing that you would think come to their mind? Uh, I think they think, initially I would probably feel like they think I'm being cocky. Um, or narcissistic, and that's not. I'm the farthest away from that. Anyone that knows me will tell you that I kind of despise people who are cocky and narcissistic. But um, I think in hip hop, that's needed. I feel like if anything, that's what Monarch G allows me to have that moment of being cocky because I haven't had that much in my life. I've not that. I've been a humble person, um, almost humble to a fault. So Monarch G gives me that that ability to be cocky, and I feel like I'm really good at what I do in the sense of what I do in my style. Um, when people hear a lyricist, they probably take offense to it, especially those who call themselves a rapper. Um, but that's just my take. Like I said, I like words, and I, I analyze pretty much everything. But that's my take on a rapper. So if I was to ever call someone a rapper, I don't want them to think that I'm being I'm disrespecting them. Uh, like I said, we in America love to categorize things. So um, I'm just putting them in the box that they, they – you can do what what Kodak and them do. Uh, again, it's not shot to any of them. It's just that's not where I'm at. And um, I don't think it's necessarily an insult. It's just a separation of people. All right, man. You make a very good point. You can't you can't expect anybody to categorize anybody with really in reality. You're just trying to have a little flair, right? I think it's important in the music game to have a little flair. Yeah, and uh, of course, be of course, be humble. Everyone wants to be humble, but a little flair—that's where the personality comes out. People can relate to it, and it gives you that that vibe that people like to hear. Exactly. Um, so, also in the follow-up question, I know you're uh, got a couple remixes on your Instagram. Tell me about the intermission and no smoke. Oh yeah, uh, no smoke remix. Uh, 
he can get one more plug. <laughs> Hopefully, that's no, no problem. That's good. Rico with the K um, on his album, The Golden Ticket, which I uh, helped with him the majority of that project. That was a great. That was like when we first met was on that project. We started recording that together January 4th this year, and I helped him throughout the whole thing. It was like a collaborative thing. Like that boy is extremely talented. But that No Smoke Zone, um, he had a hook. And I came up with the chorus, me and, like, four of the people in the chorus of the original song. Um, but I never was planning on getting on it. Uh, then there was another artist in Houston, King KB. He uh, recorded a remix to it. And um, with Rico, with the Golden Ticket, I played the producer kind of hand of it. So um, Rico sent me his his the King KB's audio so I could put it on there. And he was like, if you want to jump on there, go ahead. And I was like, ah, I think about it, I'm not sure. Cause um, I just I don't know I I was I had a lot going on that was right when I was getting out the army, uh, and it wasn't I wasn't necessarily ready to just hop back into music. But I thought about it. I thought I was mixing down the two verses from both artists. Um, I was like, why not? So I I threw a verse on there, and um, said to him without telling him that's what I did. So he was like, oh, this is this is dope. We got to put this on Apple Music like now. Like, <laughs> and I was like, okay, bet. So wow, um, we put it on there and. And it's, it's been doing really, really good. Uh, I think I checked the numbers not too long ago, but it's been doing really good. And as far as the intermission, uh, going back to the Monarch Mondays that I was talking about, uh, all of November, I, um, it was kind of like an homage to my, my I guess, year anniversary because I've been putting music on SoundCloud since November last year. Um, but all, every Monday in November, I would release a song. And the intermission was last Monday's song. Um and it's the latest one. It's called the intermission because it, well, the last part of the song will tell you why it's called the intermission. But the, it's basically like me taking a break. I, I was given a song every Monday for that month. And it's December now. I'm not trying to compete with Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, Mariah Carey, or anybody else <laughs> for their Christmas album. So, um, because I ain't trying to compete with them. I'm just going to chill, enjoy the fam and all that stuff for the holidays and then come in hard with 2020 uh, and be right back at it. So there will be no, I mean, there'll be a Monarch Monday as far as this month. It just would be in the form of pictures. I do like photography and graphic design and stuff. So anything to promote um, Monarch G in that form, I'm going to do that in the meantime, as opposed to trying to, so everybody can enjoy their Christmas albums and stuff. So, yeah. A couple interesting points. We'll talk about the graphic design photography in this in a second. But yeah, I mean, you make a great point. Where a lot of people are, uh, I think a lot of people are talking about just taking a disappearing December and taking December off because of like you said, Christmas music is is, is you hear it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the stores and all that, I've heard it too. And then you know, of course, as you said, you have uh, one second. Oh, there we go. And as you said, of course, you have. Um, the family and you have other things. So a little bit about the photography and the uh, graphic design, which is interesting. Is, you, do you feel uh, not just yourself, but more artists are becoming multifaceted in the game because of the fact that music is not just, you know, a business and music. It's also the cover, as you said, it's also networking. Would you say people are starting to become more multifaceted in the industry? I think they have to. Um, There's at the point where like everyone and their mama is trying to make it in, in music or in art, really. You can just put it general in that sense. Um, and the way that they want you to do it is it's so hard to get seen. And so you got to be a one-man show or a one-woman show. 
um, in a sense of where, like for me, I I create all of my cover song arts myself, or um, and I try to mix and master, not the best at it, but I'm learning and trial and error, and it just it makes it better for you. So when you I guess market yourself, you're doing it in a sense to where it's like you're getting you don't need you're not I'm not asking you to sign a whole team. I'm asking you to sign me and that's it. And if you care to put money up to have me get a producer or to have me get someone to do the art for me, then so be it. But if not, I can do that on my own as well. Like it's it's a great it's a great thing to put on your resume as far as um being a, a jack of all trades, so to speak. And um I think music is art in itself, so it's I think natural for it to expect that someone who's in music got some other type of artistic talent. Um I I draw, I do a lot of stuff that it's all been surrounded by hip hop, graffiti, all that other stuff, but it's um they're always expressive outlets. The music is just another one of those many forms. So I think it's almost I'm gonna bet money that most musical artists have at least one other artistic talent that they have. You make a great point. I think it is becoming to the point where because you have to be that so-called independent artist, mm-hmm. you also you need to be an independent everything, right? Jack of all trades. Uh, a follow-up question is that how long does it take you to really master, or do you feel like it's every day because it's trial and error, you're still mastering as we go and still figuring out new ways to learn? Uh, definitely still learning as I go. I don't think any one person knows everything. I think we're going to always change and learn something every day, every minute, every second. Um, and it's just practice. Practice makes perfect. And this is my way of being able to do that. Um, I believe inside hustles being the way of life. Like you can't, you should never have one, uh, one form of income. There should be multiple. And uh, if that's you using your talents to be able to, to get those other means of income, then so be it. But like, I definitely think putting yourself out there and you can't take yourself too serious in art, like in any art, the part of, part of art is finding your way. And to do that, you got to mess up. That's just how that is. Um, I'm a professionist, so that's easier said than done, but I've definitely done a better job of just like not trying to like get everything a hundred percent perfect because then you're battling time and time is something that hardly ever loses. And I'm not uh, in the business of wasting it. So I have to put my perfectionist nature set aside for me to be able to deliver. And that's why Monarch Monday is where it is because now I only have six other days that I can come up with what I'm going to do the next Monday. So instead of sitting there trying to perfect it and be like, oh, I can put out next week or I'll put out next month or I'll put out next year and then it it would keep going that way if I let it, so. Yeah, great point, man, right? I think it's it's great that you don't have that, oh, it has to be perfect. Sometimes, like you said, just getting it out there, you know, learning trial and error and not wasting time using it to the fullest. It's all we got. Exactly. you got to make the most of it. You just never know what could happen. So it's always good to keep it grinding, keep, keep your mind active as well, for sure. Uh, no, for sure. Man. Tell me a little bit as we uh, transition here into the uh, the big reunion. I know you had this album done, but uh, tell me about that <laughs> first album coming out in uh, February second. What that big that big announcement? Uh, that album that album is called Two, uh, which is the only reason kind of why it's coming out on February second, uh, twenty twenty. It's a lot of twos in there, so I figured uh, it was going to be called Chapter Two originally, but like I said, my executive producer of life, my dad, was like, you should just call it two. 
And I was like, I get that because I didn't want to be stuck. Like if I was to come out with another album after two, I didn't want to have to be stuck with calling it chapter three and whatnot. Two kind of just leaves it open-ended and I can go left to right up down with that. So, um, and two, like I said, I'm, I'm the second, I'm named after my dad, uh, not to be confused with a junior, that's like a pet peeve. But um, I'm the second, and I'm a Gemini. There's a lot of – I'm a very symbolic person. There's a lot of meanings behind the number two for me, and it just kind of fits the duality and whatnot. And I think you get a little bit of both sides of Monarch G in the sense of uh, I can I can give you, like, some – I can pretty much give you all the facets of me as a person in our – Yeah, go for it. Uh, in the sense of, like, I have, like, the, the – like I guess not depression, but I have like a like some sad songs on there. Uh, I actually tried my hand at singing a couple of times on some of the songs on there, and that definitely goes back to being putting the professionist to the side because it took me a long time, like I said, to be okay with my my own voice, especially with that of singing, because I haven't like necessarily trained anything in that. So uh, hopefully it's received well, but I've always believed there's an audience for everything, whether good or bad. So. Uh, at least just getting that first time listening and just people having even a favorite line is not a favorite song. It's only seven tracks on there. Um, I, I kept it small because, I mean, it's the introductory period, and I don't want anybody hitting anybody with a whole 500-page novel um, off rip. So I'm trying to go start baby steps. And I would say, depending on how this album is received, would determine if I'm going to make another one, but... The music is more for me than it is for anyone else, so I'm more than likely definitely going to make out more projects. Um, this is just for people to be able to see and just to be documented that I'm that I'm going to have more practice that I was talking about earlier. Yeah, I think I think practice does make perfect. And uh, tell me a little bit about what was the hardest and most challenging, and what was the best part about making the album, the old process. Um, so it took me like I think all of four months to write the album wow. and to like record it and stuff, but the hardest part was um, the, the, the figuring out the order of which I was going to put the songs. I was uh, very, very, like, stuck on I didn't want to, like, have you listen to a sad or, like, a slow song, and then the next song is, like, a really hype track. Like, I didn't want you to have to go through an emotional roller coaster with a drop that or a rise that soon. I was trying to gradually do it as much as possible without writing songs to fit that. Because I make the song first, and then I was thinking about the order later. Um, that was the most challenging part. The most enjoyable part was was getting it done. Like the the album cover, along with the track listing. To me, that was the most rewarding because it was that was was like okay, I'm done. Like I I'm actually done. I don't even think it still hit me. It's been done since October, and it was going to come out uh, this December. But again, didn't want to compete with Rudolph. So um, I pushed it back uh, January. I'm going to have four more Monarch Mondays come out before I release the album. Uh, I've always just kind of done verses on like songs that I liked or popular songs or, or Christmas Family and Friends uh, songs that they like really liked at that time. And I would just kind of like do a verse of my take on that song. So I'm going to do that in January to kind of prep and get people back into, you know, coming off the Christmas music back into hip-hop or my style of hip-hop and prepped them for what to expect to come on the album. So, um, yeah. Thank you for no, that. I appreciate no, it. No, no problem. Any, uh, did you, any favorite part that you were talking about? Any favorite part in the process? Oh, favorite part? Um, 
favorite part would have to be, I think, just overall writing. I, I tend to analyze a lot, and there was a lot of things that I was overthinking. There was one song that I released called Legend Has It that was going to be on the album originally, but I replaced it with another song called Lady and the Tramp. And um, that song was inspired. That that song was literally inspired by a photo. Like, <laughs> that, wow. I didn't have a word that time. My friend sent me a, a photo. There was someone on Instagram that said, uh, make a rap verse about this picture. And the picture had a plate of spaghetti, just spaghetti noodles, and, like, hmm. uh, a pistol inside the spaghetti on, like, a checkerboard, like, um, picnic-type table. And... I made that inspired a whole like story called Lady and the Tramp. And um so yeah, so that's the first one song on there and it was that part, that song in particular is like my favorite because it's I think my hand at storytelling storytelling rap. That was my first time doing so and I enjoyed it. Like I really, really loved being able to do that because that's always been my first love. So uh that has to be my favorite part is that first song. Yeah, you make a you make a very interesting point. Sometimes I guess as you were talking about right the theme, right? Just one. Mm-hmm. The power yeah. of one or just something. <laughs> one word. One, would, no, this actually this actually leads me to a good uh, follow. Would you say because your style is so analytical that that number of one fits you and it almost is like a not only a theme but a message more than you would have thought? The fact that all it takes is one little thing to get you going. Have you always been like that? It takes one thing to spark your mood? You definitely uh hitting on the money so the reason why i did two as far as the album two is because the album is two i'm one and uh mm. i think i'm synonymous with that like like you said uh, i think it only takes one thing to make a dozen or whatever that infinite number is and uh so two is just uh a branch off of me if i was a tree of life so to speak um a tree of monarchy i guess to put it more uh, specifically but yeah so two is just another line, another tangent off of myself. I am one, granted, I came from two other people, but all ideas and creative processes, I think it only takes one. You can go numerous different ways with that. So, yeah, you, like I said, you hit it dead on the money without me even saying anything. So, great. Kudos to you. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Good I, job. no, no, absolutely. I, I just knew the pattern right there. Something about just numbers and analytics and all that. It, it, yep. definitely, it definitely adds up. Uh, I know I'm getting, getting close to the end here, but this is crazy to think that we're heading into the next decade. Uh, what is your yeah. plans, not only for the next decade in 2020, but you already told us about how to finish off the year with your family. But tell me what you're going to do for the next couple of years and how you're going to make a legacy for the modern G fans out there in the next decade. Uh, the plan is is currently being built. I always call it 2020 the perfect vision. Hence the mm, name. I like that. Um, me and my dad always joked around on that. All my family and friends, they know I, I kind of worn it out for the past three months like i can't wait for the perfect vision but um and i hope that my i guess my future kind of details that like details that in the sense of being the perfect vision like if the ideal vision for yourself or in my case for me would be to just get some kind of like a, a heavy stream following in my music i i don't necessarily care if Monarch G is how I make it into the music industry commercially. Um, but if I get into the music industry for songwriting or if I get in there for uh, creating uh, cover arts or song arts or album arts for people, as long as I'm surrounded by music as I have in my whole life, that would be like my ideal drive and dream 
And so for me, that's what I'm, that's the end goal. Uh, right. My music and everything I'm doing with Monarchy is, is my way, my gateway to that. And so next couple of years, I'm hoping to maintain that following because music is my life. And I know so many people listen to it in a sense of um, just for multiple different reasons. And I want to be one of those multiple different reasons. So uh, I plan on definitely making a whole lot more music. I had a, a long hiatus of like four or five months from the time that I made music and uh, this year. And I don't plan to have that happen again this year. So coming 2020, it should be no more hiatuses and just constant stream of moving the music and making moves. I like that, man. The perfect vision. And you're going to make those moves. Uh, before we uh, head out here, what's, mm-hmm. one, what's one thing you're looking forward to um, as far as like family and personal growth wise to help improve yourself in, in, into the new year as we move along? Uh, personal growth. I just, uh, I don't want to say that comfortable because I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. I'm content. I'm not necessarily comfortable. So I guess, I would be looking forward to being comfortable. I would just like to be mm-hmm. in a point in my life where I'm just not only content with where I'm at, but I'm comfortable and I'm, I'm being able to sustain for both myself and mine um, and all those around me. Like I'm always been a giver of people given Tuesday just passed. And right, right, right. for me, that's, uh, that's every day of the year. So <laughs> um, I'm always giving. And uh, this time, I think 2020, I'm learning the importance of also giving to yourself. So mm. I'm definitely going to be trying to focus on that balance. I always say you live, you try to find balance, that's your life goal, and then you die. Um, it sounds morbid, but I think once you find that complete balance, then your time is up on earth. So that's the constant struggle, and I'm trying to get closer to it. I like that. That was a great way to end. That's a deep, that's a deep powerful statement, and most people <laughs> don't even realize what balance is. So I appreciate you. Facts. Giving uh giving that insight. Uh, but before you go, Mark, I pr- appreciate you as always. Just want to plug your social media handle so people can find you in your music. No, oh, yes. Uh, the social media I've changed it multiple times. It's Monarch Double Underscore G. I can't just do one mon- uh, underscore. Somebody took it, but uh, it's Monarch M O N A R C H two underscores and a G. That should be on Twitter, Instagram. I want to say on Facebook, the little Facebook music page is Monarch G seventeen. There's no underscores, but uh. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I failed you on that one, but uh, if you can look okay. the other two, you should find it anywhere else. Anything on Spotify or SoundCloud before we head out? Oh, Spotify is also just Monarchy. That was okay. that was straight. Gotcha, first straight Monarchy. All right, guys, thank you so much for as always for listening to the podcast series. Appreciate you guys listening to the guests and Monarchy, my man. Appreciate you. Have a great holiday season, brother. Thanks again for taking time out of your day. Appreciate you. Thank you too. thank you for listening to the podcast as always we hope this episode was valuable and for more awesome stories please subscribe if you have someone else in mind that should hear these episodes too go ahead and share it we dare you follow us on instagram at the united promotion and for everything else including show notes and more info on how to become a guest on our podcast visit linktr.ee forward slash the up have a great day